I want to welcome you again to another episode of Going Beyond the Scale. I'm very excited today to share with you um, the story of Heather Brown. Well, actually, Heather will share the story of Heather Brown. Um, but as you know, within Going Beyond the Scale, what we always are looking to do is find people that are creating lives that they love and living them well. And Heather's story is a great story of that because as that happens for many of us, things are going a particular way, something throws us off course, and we have a lot of decisions and challenges in how we approach those. So um, first of all, uh, Heather, thank you for being here today. I wanna to welcome you here uh, to share your story with everybody, so thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a great opportunity to be with you. Um, I met Heather, I do part-time wellness navigation at the Summit Y, and I happened to be at a presentation she made one night in front of a whole group of people at one of the new openings for Sister Y at the Summit Y. I was so impressed with her story, um, the story of herself, some challenges she overcame, and her relationship with she and her daughter. Very heartwarming story, um, and it touched the mood and inspired the whole entire audience. So uh, I, I knew somewhere along the line, they wanted an opportunity to share her story with other people, um, which we will do kind of, uh, she'll share kind of what she shared that night with us. But before that, um, as I kind of mentioned in the intro uh, that I posted on Facebook, um, she is a personal chef. Um, she is a cancer survivor. She's also an entrepreneur um, and so, Kind of what I'd like you to do, Heather, is tell us where you are right now. Like, what is it you're doing right now in your life? And we'll, we'll kind of explore some other things from there. Sure, sure. Um, yes, it's wonderful to be here and be able to share with everybody um, my story. And um, so at the moment, I am working as a personal chef. I, I have uh, private clients that I uh, prepare meals for. Um, at the moment, we're doing a contact-free delivery method, um, but I have also begun doing some smaller dinner parties. I recently did an anniversary dinner, and um, I'm going to do a, a drop-off an anniversary dinner, you know, another contact-free. Um, but for the past for years I've done this type of work, um, dinner parties, large and small, um, some catering, but uh, a lot of my consistent work has been with my private clients as their chef. Now when you did that, where was your training? Where, where did you get training for that? Um, I started my training at um, a culinary school that that actually no longer exists, but it was called the Natural Gourmet Institute. And it was a plant-based, whole foods, health-supportive uh, curriculum. And uh, that, that was just a passion of mine. I have always been interested in healthy eating and wellness. Um, following that degree, I started to work in uh, French restaurants in New York City. I, I worked at the Modern. And I worked at um, Jean George restaurant, so I, I really wanted to hone my skills in uh, uh, French tradition, and so I did. I did that for about four years. Of yeah, yeah Jean George is uh, anybody knows you know in terms of gourmet. I mean, he's an incredible chef, so that's that's pretty amazing, uh, and that you're continuing to do that as well. The other thing, so you've been doing that. Um, also, there's another certification that you're in the midst of doing. What is that? Yeah, correct. Um, so I've, uh, I know we're going to get into this more, but um, through being a member of the Y and having experiences there, I've uh, developed a passion for fitness as well as um, nutrition. So. Um, I'm doing the NASM personal training certification and also their nutrition coaching certification so that I can hopefully blend my knowledge as a chef into more education and guiding people through um, their wellness journey. You know, the thing that was interesting is that 
opened up with um, your story that you shared literally had the entire audience in your hands. And, um, you know, I never really said anything at the time other than just kind of like a hello. And there are a lot of people saying hello to you. And then I was at the Y one day. And, you know, you're there as a wellness navigator. You're looking, you're supporting people and wherever they are on their wellness journey. And all of a sudden, I see this woman who is extremely fit, built, um, a great back muscles, you know, which is unusual for a lot of women. They actually have that. And I was like, wow, she's in great shape. And then I just happened to turn and like, oh, my God, that's taller there. Like, you know. And it was funny because I know you were fit and I know you were, you know, somebody that was interested in that, but it's like you literally are walking your talk. So when you said you were in training, I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. You're going to have a lot of people that are going to want to listen to what you're doing and, and sharing. So thank you. with that background, so obviously what's really great is you've got both of those skill sets and things that you're working with, which is a combination. And as you know, health and well-being is like 80 to 90 percent really what you're eating. Exercise is really critical for longevity, all kinds of things. Um, so so right. it's great because you've got both of those places that you're, you know, working on. Right. Let's take a look now and go into, so everything's going along, you're doing what you're doing, um, and then you get thrown a curve. Right. right. And let's let's explore that. Why don't you share with people what, what that really was and, and what that journey was like for you? Sure. Um, so I started my, my business in 2016 and it was going great. I was developing clients and working a lot and, um, very excited about it. And then, um, one day I got a call from Summit Medical Group to come in for additional imaging after my routine mammogram. And I initially didn't think that much about it, but they had been trying to reach me and she sounded pretty um, adamant about getting me in. Um, she even wanted me to come in that day. So that of course made me nervous. I, I wasn't able to do it, but I, I followed up the, the following week. And um, that kind of led me down um, a day of going from the mammogram to an ultrasound um meeting with the radiologist who said okay i want you to meet with the breast surgeon and as i was uh sitting there i'm thinking okay well that maybe will happen next week mm -hmm. um but no they sat me down with a private scheduler and she said can you go over to berkeley heights right now <laughs> he can see you uh so i did that and um he talked me through what he saw in the images and the follow-ups that he wanted to do, one of which was a biopsy, another was an MRI. And uh, I thought, okay, then we'll, we'll do that at some point. Um, but he said, can you, can you go upstairs right now? My I just talked to my nurse and she said they have an opening upstairs in our imaging department. So, Okay, I went upstairs and uh, suddenly from uh, going from the call to sitting in the biopsy chair was, a, you know, a matter of hours. Uh, so then, um, then I did the biopsy and went home <laughs> mm. and waited for the results. Um, that night we had a field hockey banquet scheduled for my daughter. And um, so I, I went to that, but I was a little bit like um, out of my body, you know, what's happening. Um, so, when all that was going on for you, were, yeah. were you, was that only you knew what was going, were you literally going through that whole journey that day just with yourself and no one else knowing really what was going on? I had only told one friend that that was okay. happening. And uh, I'm not even sure if I told my daughter at the time. Mm -hmm. So for her, it was, you know, coming home from school and then me saying, well, I went through this, this thing today and um, I, I'm not feeling so great, but let's do the let's do the banquet and we'll see yeah. how things go. And uh, I, I think she didn't really process it either at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So from there. 
you had to wait, which was it a long period of time before you found right. the results? Um, they, he said that they should have the results within a week, but I already had them. Uh, I think it was even two days, two days later. Okay. Um, and I, I remember I was sitting on the sofa and I got a call and it was the breast surgeon himself. <laughs> so I was immediately kind of on high alert. Um, and he said, we, we have the results of the biopsy and we wanted to let you know that it looks like um, ductal carcinoma in situ. And we'll, we'll have to get you in to talk about um, a mastectomy and just the, the steps from there, he kind of laid out um, how the reconstruction would go. Um, I needed to do the MRI still so they could see, but they could get a better picture of what mm -hmm. they were looking at and um, meet with a breast surgeon. Um, I think there were a couple other scans I needed to do. So he kind of talked me through that and I made an appointment to go in and see him uh, probably the next day. Yeah. And that whole process started. Um, and I decided to schedule the mastectomy for right around the holidays so that I mm. wouldn't disrupt my work schedule. And I could finish, I had some jobs lined up for Thanksgiving. And so I, I was gonna finish those up, um, get through just up to the holidays, and then also make it easier for family to come and, and be with me. So when you were going through all this, um, obviously, which I know at some point in time, your daughter started to understand what's going on. Yeah. There are other people that have not gone through it. Um, did you find that was it helpful for you not to share with a lot of people or just certain people? Or how did you find what supported you in obviously something that was something you never experienced before, very mysterious, not really knowing? Like what yeah. what got you through that? Time. And I'm not saying when getting through means it was just easy, just, but like, right. what was that you, you were able to do? Right. That That's a really good question, Jay, because I think a lot of us don't know what to say to people mm. when they're going through something, um, something like that. So, yeah, I did start to open up to friends. I, I started calling friends and family um, gradually, you know, not not exactly one right after the other, but um the best responses that I that I got were sort of like, oh crap, you know, mm. that's really that's really big. Um, the less helpful ones were things like, oh, would you like me to make an appointment for you with my shaman, um, mm. or you know, are you really sure you want to go through with the mastectomy? That's really radical, and don't you want a second opinion? You know, those things that kind of second yeah. guess your your own approach to to yeah. what you want to do. Um, so yeah, if I if I had any advice to people, you know, either going through it or responding to someone they know that's going through it, um, you know, for yourself, trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I have this the style of like I want the doctors to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And some people have more of a style of they want to take control over the situation. Um, but what made me feel really in control was knowing that I had a team, a really amazing team that was coordinating and planning all these things and telling me exactly what steps I needed to take. So if somebody came in and said, you know, well, you really should be taking this herb or um like that, that was, that was less helpful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just the, just the moral support, just the, you know, we're here for you. Um, and my friends gathered me for a dinner and, and they all like collected some money to help me with things. And it, it was really touching. Yeah. yeah. You, you had mentioned that before in, in kind of our, our earlier chats about, I really got the impression um the empowerment of having a team around you and and i think the other part from hearing how you've shared your story that you were brave enough to have those conversations even uncomfortable conversations 
to keep it not just in your head. I mean, most of the people I've ever talked to that have had challenges, it's like as much as you don't want to share something or your real feelings, it seems that we get a lot more comfort when we actually do share that with people that we can trust and people that are willing to. Sometimes I've found is it's helpful if people really listen. I mean, deeply listen, not just give suggestions. People love to give suggestions, but it's like sometimes what you really need is you need to have someone deeply hear you mm -hmm. and, and, and get that back to you. Now, for your, I mean, you were going through what you were going through yourself. And then, you know, being a dad, I know what that's like with, you know, with having a child. Like, how, how did you traverse that? That's a, that's a tough thing to do. How, what did you find worked for you and worked for your daughter? Uh, well, recently I asked her, I said, do you remember me telling you? I Like, how did I tell you? Because I was preparing for this and, mm -hmm. um, and she didn't remember and I can't remember either. Mm -hmm. what we, how I told her and what we said, but she was really the one person that was kind of with me day by day. So she kind of had the, um, she saw it progress as each piece of news came in or each test oh. that I went to. Um, so she, I think she was just following along that way. Um, but, you know, in terms of the other experience, just going through it as a single mom, mm -hmm. you kind of have a different, um, there's not really another person to rely on to help yeah. relay the information to her. Um, mm -hmm. Again, my friends were super helpful with that. And I had family fly in. Um, my best friend, who's an anesthesiologist, she mm -hmm. came and with me for the surgery. Um, and that was amazing. She sat there and then when the, when the surgeons came out, they, she was able to really get the information and get me home and help me. There's a, there's a lot of aftercare yeah. sure. after a mastectomy. So that was, that made me feel very supported. But you know, there are some things that are that you would share with a partner that you wouldn't necessarily share with a friend. And I remember thinking like, how do you, how do you say goodbye to a part of your body? Mm. You know, is there, is there a way? And some of my friends said, well, just, just lop it off. It's diseased, get rid of it. It's, you know, mm. stay you don't need it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And some people were more like, oh, maybe, you know, make a plaster cast or, <laughs> So I, I never really did any kind of ritualized um, send off, <laughs> sure. Um, sure. but you know it's it's something that I think about even now. Like, oh, would I would it, do I want to somehow memorialize the mm -hmm. the loss of it? Right. Um, because it, it really is a it is a loss for a woman. Um, right. The the first realization of that was being in the the meeting with the plastic surgeon who is going to do the reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing that happened was they put on a video and left me alone in the room to watch it. And it just kind of went through the, the process of the reconstruction from right. uh, the types mm -hmm. and sort of preparing you for the, the physical aspects of it. And that that was the moment where it sank in that I was going to lose yeah. my feeling. I was going to lose like this very personal part of yourself. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that was that was big. That was big. Yeah, that would seem. I, I mean, to me, it seems a little strange for somebody just to watch the video without somebody there to talk to you. I mean, I, did they talk to you much afterwards after you watched the video? Yeah, yeah. After okay. the the surgeon um, came in with his assistant, and um, I've met with this plastic surgeon many times since, and I've mm -hmm. grown accustomed to him. And he he's a very very kind man, and and a really really amazing surgeon. He I'm super happy with the job, but it was it was different because at first for him my breasts were. You know, let's measure them. Let's talk yeah. about symmetry. Let's talk about the just the mechanics of it. Sure. And um, 
you know, the way he, he was touching me like, like I was uh, an object. Mm -hmm. And that, that's just a kind of jarring shift. And, and I kind of got used to that over time. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's just a lot of poking and prodding that happens yeah. when you go through <laughs> cancer. Um, I used to be afraid of needles and, and then, you know, now it's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's also I think it's also helpful for you to share the story too, because at least you know you had to go through it, didn't know what that was. So I would tend to think that for women in general, the more they can at least have some understanding. No, not different than you know I've only witnessed two births. I've watched that and go like, oh my god, you know. Um, I'm not sure God was an engineer because I think he could have made that thing a little bit easier to that's do. Kind of a mistake. Yeah. Like, wow, that's not easy. So, I mean, I didn't go through the birth, but I was there to see, like, I'm glad I am not a woman. So the same thing, like, what you're going through, uh, I think it's, it's really generous of you all for sharing what you're doing um, and have done with other people so they kind of have an idea as well. After you went through all that, um, how was... I mean, obviously, you're going through the whole recovery, you know, like, mm -hmm. how long was it that where you, and I don't, I'm going to feel normal. I know there's never exactly normal, but like, was there ever yeah. a time when you kind of got to a place where you're like, I'm starting to feel more like myself? How long did that take? Um, so as the, as the situation unfolded, um, when I I had the mastectomy and there was going to be a timeline, uh, they they told me that most likely it's just going to be a mastectomy and then I'll be done. Mm -hmm. um, but because I had these, I had um, fast growing aggressive type of cancer cells, so he he did a lymph node mm -hmm. biopsy as well, and then they biopsied all the tissue that he removed, and. Um, then I got a call to come into his office to talk about that. And they had discovered um, some um, metastasis into mm -hmm. the node and an um, invasive tumor in the tissue. So that kind of changed the whole trajectory to um, a much more involved <laughs> treatment. Um, I met with an oncologist shortly after that and he set forward um, a treatment plan. Uh, I, you know, he he said it as if it was a proposal, um, because there there were there are some choices you can make in terms of how aggressive you want to be with your with your treatments. And he just said, "You're you're a young woman. You're a single mom, and so what I'm recommending to you is the most aggressive treatment. And I can guarantee you that you." will not that this will be successful mm. and he said you're gonna hate me because of what it's gonna do to you but it will save your life yeah. so and yeah he was right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's a lot a lot that went into it that um it's cancer is one of those things where they have a lot of great treatments for it but the treatments themselves are right. very intense so you, in my conversation with you, it's obviously a strong woman in, in what you've done, besides the fact that you've got incredible back muscles, um, you're a strong woman. Um, yeah. how, how long was, I mean, so was that a year or like you went through the yeah. surgery, you went through the chemo? Yeah, I had, um, I had six rounds of a, yeah. a cocktail of four drugs. And then I had another 12 after that of just one drug. Mm -hmm. um, so I, they were all gonna be intravenous infusions. So I chose to get a portacatheter mm -hmm. and to make that easier. Um, but you know, in the end that just became that one other thing that's just like, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the chemo itself, pr pretty much right after the first one, I uh, lost my hair, and um, so that was that was the first thing that happened. And 
Um, I did get a couple of wigs, but I was never really comfortable wearing them. They're pretty scratchy. Mm. Um, so I just went with a, with a scarf and um, more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are a lot of other changes that, that took place um, that, you know, you don't expect. I went through menopause right away. Um, so there was just kind of that hormone mm. stuff happening as well. Um, you also take steroids when you go through chemotherapy that kind of helps with the recovery. Yeah. And then there's another uh, drug they give you to help boost your white blood cells that causes a lot of bone pain. Mm -hmm. um, so just from the process of going through this over the, the six treatments were every three weeks. So it took about, about four and a half, almost five months to, to yeah. do it. Um, by the end of it, I was, uh, you know, kind of noticing things all of a sudden, like, oh, I feel uneasy at the top of the stairs. I'm, mm. my feet were, you know, it just kind of felt like I had uh, balls on the, on the soles mm. of my feet. I couldn't balance very well. Um, and I was pretty weak. Uh, I had gained quite a bit of weight. Um, so, you know, I found myself in a pretty unhappy place. Sure. And yet the treatments were over and the doctor was like, you did great. Hmm. Every time your blood counts were good. Um, super outcome. Uh, but, you know, I found myself feeling like very lost and, um, you know, even this this great team that was assembled to save my life, even despite that, I just kind of started feeling like, was it worth it? Mm -hmm. You know, I, sure. maybe it would have been better for me to just live a few more years of a really good life and then, yeah. yeah. Um, but that that's not really a good place to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 got, I got some help and um, that was, a really big turnaround and, and part of the help was um joining the the ymca live strong program now was that right after you got through all that or, or were you still in front of the chemo when you went through live strong uh so i had finished the chemo uh, but um i was still doing the um the other drug is herceptin and i was still doing that that drug the treatments um you know, actually, my my Livestrong story is a little bit uh, of a of a re. I did I redid it because mm -hmm. I started while I was still in treatments. Okay. And you know, I just really wasn't in the right headspace to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and then after I got some more help with just my my mental state, sure. <laughs> I got the call from Sue, and it was. It's, uh, she's the director of the mm -hmm. Livestrong. It was like a, a, a gift because she said, we have an opening for Livestrong. Would you like to do it again? And that was, that was tremendous because now I was finally in the right frame of mind to really take advantage of the program. The, and one, thing, the one thing I want to kind of put an exclamation point on there, which you're sharing is that for, no matter where somebody is, in their journey of whatever they've got. What you did is a great example of what's possible. Because sometimes what I find is sometimes somebody will do something, they'll think it's wrong, they quote unquote didn't complete it, they failed at it, they won't say yes again. But what you said, it, that headspace, you obviously weren't in that spot at that time. Um, you came back to it another time. No different than when somebody's trying to lose weight or they're trying to exercise. But there are certain times where it's like your brain is not there. But when somebody throws you another lifeline or something, you always want to keep yourself willing because you're a great example of that. You, you, you did it once and like, I don't want to do it. And I know you yeah. kind of share with me some of the stuff you weren't pleased with it, but then it yeah. became a turning point for you to go back, but you said yes, you know, once again, which you did with all yeah. of your treatments and things like that. That's the most important part. Right. It was the it was that second chance that really yeah. kind of you take you take heed when you're given a second second chance. Like, oh, uh, 
I, I did this once and I didn't really value it the mm. way I should have. And now, now I'm, I'm able to do it again and let's see if I can do this better. And, and I challenged myself to, to make it stick. Yeah. Um, so that second time I, you know, we were doing the orientation with the trainers and I remember them saying, so we need you to come every time and really commit to this. And you may not see the results day in and day out, but trust us, at the end of four months, you will see a difference. And they did evaluations at the beginning and then at the end. And, you know, there was this kind of, I knew that they were somehow talking to me, maybe not specifically like as in pointing the finger, but I just heard it differently. I heard it like, yeah, Heather. You need to come every time. Mm. <laughs> this is valuable. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the willingness then to put yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we were talking before, I said it was giving myself the permission yeah. to prioritize my health and becoming the person that I wanted to be. It was a it was a fight that I needed to sort of like rise to the challenge. And um, so, yeah, I came in, um, I carved out time to do it every day Mm -hmm. and maybe not every single day, but I was there four or five times a week um, to the point where it became um, this amazing positive feedback loop because I walked through the door and immediately somebody at the door would say, hey, Heather, how you doing? You know, are you great or just this? And um, the Summit YMCA has these stairs that come down from the door. And that was sort of my barometer because in the very beginning, I would stand at the top of those stairs and think, oh my God, I'm gonna fall. (laughs) Or the doors kind of pull hard. And I would be like, oh, I can't get this door open. (laughs) So then suddenly I'm like pulling the doors and bopping down the stairs and it, yeah, it just, it was a great feeling. And these, these like moments of positive change, you want to go in for more. You want to take it to the next level. Let's see what else I can do. I think that what's so inspiring about what you share and and i know it's like anything you could you could go down deeper into all kinds of times that are the dark times times that are the times that you're alone the times that not like all those places that people go and we all can do this time i think one of the things that to me that's inspiring is when you're faced with something like your face um it's more than just you know people complain about going to the gym or going to the wires like i don't have you know like those I get it, but you were literally fighting for your life. And it's a great example of, you know, no matter where you're at, that's what we actually have as an opportunity every single day. And I think what's great is not only um, did you fight for your life, for yourself, you fought for it for your daughter, for the people that care about you, and it's put you in a place where people can trust you and listen to you and you can, they can, you can hear them in a way that maybe they don't hear themselves. You can be somebody that can be supportive of them. And kind of like what I'd love to be able to kind of go forward with a little bit is now you're at that place where, as I said, I mean, I've seen you, you're strong, you're healthy, you're, you're vital, you're fit. Um, you know, you're in a place that is advancing and going forward, you're back working. Um, is there any, I mean, we'll talk about this in a minute, but I mean, generally right now, when we open, you had shared where you were. I mean, you're feeling well now. Anything new in terms of what you're doing or feeling or anything at this point in time? Um, so I, I guess like the the one of the things that I wanted to um, have people kind of take away mm-hmm. is some of the great advice that I got when I was in those darker moments. Yeah. Um, and there's a process of 
um, you know, kind of four pillars of finding your way back to health for me. One is mindfulness. That was a crucial, it was a, a pivotal tool for me was, you know, again, like giving yourself the permission to get quiet and just kind of listen to your own breath. Just, just breathing already calms your whole system down. Mm -hmm. um, and then defining my values was huge. I think that a lot of my life, I was not really living from a place of value-driven decisions. And oftentimes, you know, finding, you know, just going from thing to thing without mm -hmm. a lot of direction. Um, and then I got the advice of sort of focus on one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. We are such great multitaskers and I'm totally guilty of it. While I'm watching TV, I'm folding laundry, I'm sleeping, you know, this, all of this stuff. But when you really want something and you, you're, it's, you defined it as a value. You've mm -hmm. said this needs to be my priority. Every day, the things you do contribute to that goal. Once you've defined it and said, this is my intention, this is where right. I want to be. And, you know, mantras don't really work for me. They may work for some people, but for me, it's just visualizations. Mm -hmm. I would visualize myself, what I, how I wanted to look, how I wanted to feel. And so that was, you know, I, I you could say it's vain. I, I visualized myself like, what was the happiest moment of my life or where I felt the most physically at my prime. Mm -hmm. And that's where I went back to in my mind. And a lot of people, when I would say, this is my goal, this is my weight goal, this, they would look at me and say, well, you know, you're postmenopausal, you're in your forties, you know, maybe you should shoot for something that, you know, not so, um, but nope, I, <laughs> I never gave up that, yeah. I never gave up that, that vision, that, that yeah. goal. Um, and then just creating a, a, a willingness to do the work because yeah. it is work. It's, it's food journaling, it's going to the gym, it's pushing yourself a little harder than you did the last time. Mm -hmm. And getting back up when you're not really feeling like doing it. Yeah, so you mentioned that many times, and it's interesting because I remember the two words, the two most powerful words in our conversation are first and foremost is the willingness. The willingness is if you're not willing, there aren't too many possibilities. And then, as we discussed before, permission, especially for women, is enormous because most women are great caregivers to everyone else but themselves. And I work with women all the time. And it's one of the biggest things I find is a challenge. It's, it's hard for women a lot of times to own their success. It's like, I, I don't know why, but they'll do something that's successful. And even maybe it's not gigantic. But it's like, well, that really wasn't that big, or I didn't really think like, why do you do that? Like, so I try to remind women of that, especially, but like what you said, it is the willingness. It's yeah. Permission. I don't know what it is. It's like a blind spot. And and, yeah. and, and everything you've talked about has been the willing the two things, willingness to do what you needed to do. Anyone you couldn't stand it, you keep giving yourself permission to keep doing that time. That's what yeah. carried you through all of this, obviously. I, you know, women get very mixed messages from mm. the outside world. One yeah. is a certain standard of beauty, mm -hmm. physical, and then the other is um, you, you're supposed to give to others and never make time for yourself. So, and those two things don't, don't comport, especially once you get to the point where you're a mother and you have other family commitments. You're just always putting that other person first. Right. Um, so in the beginning, I, I did have sort of a guilt around what I considered a vanity project. Um, but then I was sitting in the office with my oncologist for one of my three-month checkups, 
And he said, you know, it's really great that you lost all this weight um, because being overweight is a huge contributing factor to re relapse. Right. And that, that wasn't on my mind, mm -hmm. but it's, it's really, that was really big for me. And then I said, and this is even more of a why. And now it's the, why do I keep doing it? Why do I maintain it? Why do I, right. yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It is interesting because a lot of people don't realize it. And um, a book that my wife uh, read a long time ago, which is by Christine Northrup, which is called The Wisdom of Menopause. Um, Christine is always a big advocate for women to really not lose their power when they're going through that state. And quite frankly, after I read it, I told my wife, I said, men should read this because um, you don't really understand why physically and then mentally. Women are going through a very challenging time, not just the hormones, it's just a whole recrafting of what life looks like. Um, but I, I know from what I've seen you do, and I work with lots of women all the time, a lot of times women will kind of say, well, I mean, I come up with a whole world of reasons. I get it. You know, metabolism things change, but I've seen plenty of examples of women that are willing to give themselves some permission maybe get some support you know somebody like yourself which will, will be a trainer that can support women how they they can actually if they choose if they're willing they can feel better feel fitter and all of that which will help their health so it's great yeah. because you, you're a great example of what's possible and you don't have to go well i'm i'm going to menopause like it's over i can't do anything it doesn't matter but yeah yeah you can still push through it's there's no point where you're um where you, you you can't do it anymore um what i what i really love about so pairing the personal training certification with nutrition because at first it doesn't really fit why would a chef become a personal trainer nutrition fits more um but there are so many ways that um exercise they say it's the 80 20 80 is diet 20 is exercise um but in terms of preventative medicine, you know, overall health, um, the health of your cells, the health of your cardiorespiratory system, the ability to stay, um, you know, bone health. Mm -hmm. You know, we we all as as we age, we don't want to end up in wheelchairs. We wanna we don't want to end up with falls. Right. So I really challenge that notion of the 80-20. And um, if you're just going on a calorie restriction diet, um, you can lose all kinds of muscle as you're losing fat. So, and you know, the, the, we all know muscle burns more than fat and the resistance training is the best thing for, for the bones. So I really kind of, I like that, um, that combination mm -hmm. that I was given and then you know, there are other pillars that I learned in terms of my, um, you know, skills for dealing with the, the darker moments, like the mindfulness, um, deep breathing, healthy sleep. These are like another, you know, other parts of the, the health paradigm besides just what we eat and um, how much that are very important. You see what I'm doing? I just realized I'm losing power on my laptop. So, oh. so, I, so it's like I'm listening to you and like, oh yeah, my god, that's a horrifying feeling. Like, what? Oh no, I'm oh. losing the power here. But no, what? And I totally heard everything you were saying, and I think that's one of the things um, which I want to make sure. Like when I talked about the, the nutrition part being 80 to 90 percent of that, I a thousand percent agree with you in experience. Where I do know some people that I've worked with that. For whatever reason, they're willing to do the food thing first. Then I know some people are willing to do movement and exercise. It's really a dance of all of that. And, and I think that's what I'm excited about to see and stay connected to you in your ongoing journey personally, but also what you're doing with other people, because I think that that's, I think a lot of people don't really get that it is not, it's not one or the other. And, and I think also if you describe the whole area of, health and well-being it is the mind and the body and all of that and yeah. and i think that that's where um people like yourself 
are a great example of no matter what, um, when you're healthy before and you're going through something, it helps to still stay there mindfully. But then afterwards, you could have just said, you know what? I've gone through a lot. I just need to rest. Yeah. Yeah. And right. I don't think that's going to serve you very well to just rest. Um, I, I know you know rest is important, but not not to the degree some people say, I'm done, I'm giving up. And that doesn't work too well in the long run to do for longevity. So, um, what I mentioned in the beginning, so you're doing well, um, you're continuing to grow, you're continuing to expand. Um, I do want you to share one other thing you have discovered yeah. recently and something you're doing, and then I have two other things I'm going to ask you afterwards. But um, there's obviously something else that you shared that's going on. Like, what is that thing that's going on that sounds like a new, interesting thing that you're creating? Yeah, so um, as I was going through, like I said, I went through this journey as a as a single mom, and going through that, I felt like, oh, am I ever going to be able to have a partner? Because now I'm sort of like, you know, I kind of had, I felt like I lost it, you know? Mm. Um, but as I came back to myself, I, I um, created my new intention for the beginning of this year, which was um, I, I want to I be in love. And I didn't really know how that was going to work out. Um, but I just started again that visualization process of mm -hmm. this is what I want. And um, one day I was at work and I got a call from a friend I hadn't heard from in a long time. And she said, um, oh, my boyfriend's best friend is coming to New York. Would you be willing to take him out to dinner or show him around the city? And I said, yeah, definitely. And she said, oh, are you single? And I said, yeah, <laughs> so is he. <laughs> um, so at first, you know, it's like, okay, I have an open mind. I'm going to do this because that's that was my mm -hmm. uh, mindset, willing again. Right. Um, so we hit it off incredibly well. And um, he's Dutch. So I've, I went to visit him. And now we've decided since my daughter's heading off to college, it's a great time to um, take a chance and go see how um, life in the Netherlands is. <laughs> wow. yeah. that's, that's, that's so exciting because um, like when you said taking a chance, and it's such a life. I mean, your entire journey that you went through with it, everything you went through with the mastectomy, there's all kinds of chances you took, but it was your willingness and the commission and staying in the game and the same thing, you know, you're not giving up, rolling over, doing nothing. I mean, you, you know, you're going to continue um, to thrive, which is real. And, and it's, it's interesting. And I don't, you know, I, I don't really, I, I know there are people that are cancer survivors. I've heard the term cancer survivors, cancer thrivers. I do not know what the, the proper thing is to, to call any of that. It doesn't really matter to say. But what I hear from what you're sharing is you have survived a lot. But the way you are taking on life is you're thriving and expanding and growing. And I think that's a great lesson for whether someone has cancer or not. I think it's a great example of you are willing and you're giving yourself permission to really full out live life, which is very exciting, very exciting. Yes. Yeah, when, when your life is um, threatened by something, and you know, my life was never really threatened. I always knew that I would survive, um, but it changed dramatically. Um, and it there was some loss associated with it. Um, mm -hmm. When you get that back as a gift, and you know, I had to fight for it, but I did get it back. You want to live every moment of your life, mm -hmm. and throw yourself into it. Um, so, yeah. 
risk taking well, is all is <laughs> well, what I, what, right in there. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So Heather, what I'd love to be able to do is um, first of all, where can people find you and find what you're up to? Um, you did mention you have a website, but then it's not up right now. But where where can they find you? Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Yeah, yeah. So Facebook, I'm um, I'm there under um, Eating Well with Heather. That's mm -hmm. my personal chef um, business, and I'm still working as a as a chef and caterer. Like I said, doing dinner parties and meal delivery and things like that. Yeah. And uh, then I have working on my personal training certification and I'm just beginning to share some of my wellness insights and mm -hmm. nutrition certification. Um, some of those insights on a new page called willing and well, um, at some point I'm kind of trying to figure out a way to merge the two together. And yeah. so that's all in process. As yeah. So I'd love you to I'd love you to come back for two things. One is I'd like to have you come back and I want to really be able to have a conversation with you specifically about kind of the whole food journey, your philosophy, um, some of the plant-based side, your background experience, sound like you were doing that. It's very popular now, but obviously you were passionate about that earlier, like an early adopter of that as well. So I think people would be helpful for them to hear some of the things that you've done and are doing in, in the uh, whole stuff, the nutrition side and exercise and training. And sometimes, once you're settled in, once you've gone across um, to the Netherlands, been there for a while, um, I would also love to have you come back. And I think it'd be really fun for people to kind of hear that episode of your life or where you are and what that's like. I, mean, I think people are going to be, you're obviously going to be intrigued about what you've done already and what you're doing right now. But, um, you know, once again, the idea of creating a life that you love, you've done that, you're doing it, you've been living it well, and it's never done. You know, so I think, I think your story is a great story for people to continue to stay tuned to. And so if you're willing to do that, I'd love to have you come back for a few more episodes of the Heather Brown story. I would be so honored and delighted to come back. Thank you're you so much. You're very welcome. So um, that's today's episode of Going Beyond the Scale. As I mentioned to you in the beginning, the whole idea behind going beyond the scale is exactly what Heather's life has been and will continue to be. It's not just the weight, not just the body shape and size. It's really, you know, living life on your terms, creating a life that you love, living it well. And that's a whole bigger picture than just what's on a particular scale where unfortunately too many people spend too much time worrying about it. Until next time, um, everyone be safe, be well, and we will be back with Heather in some future episodes. Thanks again, Heather. Thanks.